Welcome to the Revitalize Podcast, a podcast where we have conversations to help you experience emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness as you lead at your church, your business, or in your life. Here are your hosts, Danielle and Kevin. So welcome to episode three of the Revitalize Podcast. We are your hosts, Kevin and Danielle Presso. And we're currently in a six-part series. This is the second part as we discuss the journey of wellness. Now, as Danielle and I discuss this journey of wellness, when we kind of come alongside people or even just deal with our own walks with God, we have been approaching our wellness from three perspectives, our emotional, mental uh, wellness, our spiritual wellness, as well as our physical wellness. So last week we kicked off this part, uh, six-part series looking at my physical wellness. And today what we're going to do is we're going to jump over to emotional mental wellness. And Danielle is going to be sharing from her journey and her own personal experience uh, with mental health and emotional wellness. Now we realize that this can be a challenging subject for so many people in, in the church And so we're approaching this, I hope, with a lot of humility and with a lot of gentleness, not just as people who feel, you know, like that we have all the answers and we're here to, you know, tell you, but that we're truly speaking out of our own personal experience and the hurts and pains. And so our hope and our desire is that as we're transparent on this topic, that it would be a blessing to you and encourage you in your own journey of wellness. So, Danielle, I really appreciate you kind of taking the lead on this topic all right, let's yeah. get into it. Because it's a real easy one to address. Definitely. Right? Yeah. No, so, it's it's not. It's not an easy one at all. And uh, But it's been a part of our journeys to, you know, where the scriptures talk about, I can't remember exactly where it is, but putting your life on display. Right. Yeah, the Apostle Paul talks about that and mm-hmm. gives the example of a procession. Right. And that uh, kind of we're slaves at the end of the procession with our lives are on display for all to see. Right. Yeah. And so you and I have been on that journey of, you know, not just kind of holding back the messy stuff of our lives and making it look like everything's all clean on the, (laughs) on the outside, but you know, allowing people into our journey and our process. And so this is just one of the areas that God has, really mm-hmm. challenged us to be transparent. Cool. Well, and I think that authenticity in among Christian leaderships is so incredibly vital in the in the world and the culture that we live in today. So thank you for that. It's yeah. my pleasure. So why don't you kind of just set the ground here? Why don't you just kind of lay the foundation of what emotional wellness and your experience has been with that? So what I think in order to define emotional wellness, I probably should start with kind of the unwellness that I came to realize and discover within myself. Would that be a good place to start? Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you don't know what wellness is till you recognize how you're not well. Absolutely. And actually, I think I thought I I was well. Of course. I think I thought I was quite well, um, even though there was a lot that that really wasn't. And so Mm -hmm. um, get to my early 40s. And so we're just talking, you know, six years ago. I'm 40, well, six, seven years ago. I'm going on 47. So um, when I turned 40, I started to recognize that not everything was as peachy keen as I was kind of trying to 
make myself <laughs> believe that it was. Right. And uh, went through a bit of a journey and process. And a lot of this, like we've talked about before, so many things are interconnected. So what was, you know, physical in terms of some of the physical pain I was going through and physical ailments. And a lot of that can lead to mm. emotional, you know, difficulty and turmoil. Right. Depression and so on. Um, what was spiritual? Because we have alluded to the fact that we've, you know, undergone some spiritual attack. And what was specifically emotional? And I think it's really hard to, you know, separate all of those because they do overlap in certain ways. But one of the things in my early 40s that I came to wrestle with and realize is that um, I struggle with depression. Right. And it was the first time that I named it mm-hmm. and and my doctor named it and that I even brought it up to my doctor and that I even brought it up to any counselors. You know, like I, it was something that I think I was in denial for. Right. And I would say probably most of my life because I, when I look back, I'm like, ooh, I think there was some depression that goes all the way back to my childhood, which right. I think is quite like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it happens, but it's certainly more rare than starting depression in your teens or young adults or that kind of a thing. And so right. I think and, I was one of those kids. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is to come to a self, you know, realization of this, considering the background that you come from, right? Because like you have um, education in special care <laughs> counseling. Yeah. Like, like you've worked for school boards to work with children mm-hmm. who have, you know, emotional struggles and mental health struggles and different yeah. things like that, right? So you have a lot of that background. Worked with kids, worked with teens, worked with adults, worked with, you know, and mental health, of course, and, yeah. you know, cascades over all of those population groups. Right. I even taught on mental health, you know, teaching in college. Like, so I knew. <laughs> That's right. Like, you had all the information, but then it took kind of this eye-opening experience for you to, so what brought you to even realize it in yourself? Well, I think that probably, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to put this out there, and it might even be the first time that I say it, Uh but I think pride was in the way. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, and because, you know, I was a helper. Right. I was a counselor. I was the one that Mm -hmm. helped others, and it was a huge part of my identity. Yeah. Was I was the one that helped other people. Right. So it was, and even still is, an uncomfortable place for me to be in to receive support and help from other people. Yeah. It's gotten so much easier. I've, like, even when I feel like, oh, this is hard, I get beyond it because I've, I've, just done it for so many years now on my wellness journey. Yeah. But I think that probably was what was in the way, was was a sense of pride. I'm the helper. Right. So I just want to take a moment. So if you're a Christian leader and you're, you're hearing those words right now, I, I really want you to he- let that sink in for just a brief moment that um, so many of us as pastors, as leaders, as business leaders, ministry leaders, church leaders, because we're so used to leading and being the one who cares for people, being the one who leads, makes all the big decisions, whatever it is, sometimes we're not very good. The pride can get in the way to actually get the help that we need. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, like I said, it might be the first time I've even kind of recognized <laughs> it. going to have to do a little bit of uh, God work and, and yeah. repenting of that pride. Well, that's for the spiritual episode. Exactly. I'll save that. But I don't have to do that today. No. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, the other thing, too, 
in that kind of packaged in there is denial, right? Okay. Like not really mm. um, like being too afraid. I will say that this is one that I did recognize when I was going through it that and as, as it came up was that it was a fear, a fear of having depression, a fear right. of being um, weak, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fear of being seen as not able to do the, the kind of work that I was doing, right. um, a fear of being kind of, you know, looked down on, a fear of being vulnerable. Like, there were so many things at place, right. in place. right with that mm-hmm. and so fear is something that I definitely have um yeah renounced and 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 gone through the repentance of brought it to God like so that's been a huge part of my journey in breaking some spiritual um bondage right. which again another episode but <laughs> that was a big part of what was yeah. involved okay. um another thing was um, because, I, like I mentioned, how everything overlaps, I was going through so many physical ailments, mm-hmm. and I was no longer able to hold this shell together right. that I enjoyed, not enjoyed, but preferred <laughs> right. to show to the world this this shell that was, you know, like with a mask where everything was fine. Right. We've talked about oh, fine being the F word. We talk about that all the time in our family and in our ministry that we don't want to settle for fine ever again because fine is just a, another four letter F word. <laughs> so, which we won't say here in this family friendly show. Um, so, so just going back. So, we, so when you say when you started to recognize this in yourself, as you dealt with the pride, as you dealt with the fear that maybe that had prevented you in the past to see that. And then you, you said earlier that you actually, when, as you look back into your past, you could actually see evidence of that at play even in your childhood. Yeah. So what did you see as you reflected back? Even in, like, very early childhood, like, my, my parents divorced uh, when I was quite young. I was about four or five years old. And probably from the time I was two or three, I don't really know. They were, you know, in and out, on and off, that kind of a thing. So my right. dad was not, you know, in the home for a lot of the time. And by the time I was four or five, they divorced altogether. And my mother tells me, I don't remember this. What I do remember is wetting the bed. Right. I remember wetting the bed. That's something that I know I did. I even had some shame around wetting the bed because mm. I was even aware Right. That I was wetting the bed and awake and didn't go to the bathroom. So I think it was a bit of a, a cry for help. Right. But what I wasn't aware of, and my mom remembers, is that she felt I was depressed as a small child. Okay. For about six months during hmm. the time of that divorce. Okay. And, of course, add the wetting the bed. Like, I think she had kind of figured it was probably a, an emotional you know, way of handling mm-hmm. or whatever with, with the divorce and all the turmoil that was in the house. Right. So that's the earliest that I don't, like I say, I remember the wedding, the bed. I didn't know it was an emotional thing. I thought I was just being a bad girl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, and, and so you would have been, this would have been around 1980, 1981. Well, even so, younger. So yeah, if you were, I was born in 75. Born in 75. So we're talking like the, you know, the late 70s, mm-hmm. the early 80s. Again, which was a time period when this stuff, we didn't really know a lot about it. Like there was some resources, some education starting to happen about it, some research starting to come at play. But I don't think the average family 
kind of knew how to process well, this stuff. And I think that was around the time when there was a huge influx of divorce, oh my right? Goodness, absolutely. So it wasn't like 10 or yep. 15 years later when there was tons of research that had yeah. been, you know, done. Mm-hmm. But in any case, um, I tended towards internalizing. Okay. And I, I, I mean, as a child, I couldn't have said, oh, I was internalizing, but now... Exactly. That's <laughs> adult language there, right? Yes. Looking back, I can see that I internalized because I did some other things over the years like mm-hmm. with emotional difficulties I didn't I didn't do the thing that you would expect you know like if I if I you know scraped my knee I would run to my mommy you know and she right. would clean up my boo-boo you know but it, emotionally with emotional turmoil I didn't run to people with that right. I internalized yeah and so some of the evidence of that even like I mean I have I have scars on my body as you know right yeah <laughs> most people are not aware I've got these you know like number of scars that are at my own making my right. like I was a picker yeah so, so like, you'd scratch scabs and, and reopen them and reopen them and over reopen them. and yeah. over and over and over and like when you read about today you know about like you know cut, cutting, kind of cutting and self-harm and self like harm, I didn't do those right. things thank god but I, I did do something that was to release yeah. what I you know and I've, I've done some therapy on this so I'm, I'm speaking not as a therapist in any way I'm speaking right. experientially someone who went through therapy and gone yeah. through therapy but you know Likely, a lot of that was just trying to release some emotional turmoil because there mm-hmm. were some other things that had gone on in my childhood and some difficult things around, you know, di- types of abuse and so on. And so, you know, like you have all of this emotional turmoil and baggage. Right. And I, as a child, what child knows how to, you know, have those boo boos kissed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Where you go to for help with this. Exactly. And I didn't, I didn't go to those places that you would think, you know, to my parents, to my school, to my whatever. And Mm -hmm. so I internalized a lot growing up and I took on responsibility a lot growing up for Mm -hmm. other people's wellness and happiness. Right. And so when that kind of brings us back up to speed Mm -hmm. um, about you know, you see yourself, you identify, or I did, as a helper. I, okay. I identified as, you know, a pleaser. I identified as somebody who cares for other people, has compassion, went into the helping field. Right. You know, like, th- that. that's where I identified. I didn't identify as somebody who needed the help and support. No, of course not. <laughs> course and, then, not. Yeah. and then fast forward again, just to get us fully up to speed, and that is I can now look back and go with, with you know, pretty good certainty um i'm not self-diagnosing i don't believe in doing that but um now that i have been diagnosed with depression over the last few years and lived with depression and medication and which we'll probably get into a little bit more therapy and so on i can look back to um my postpartum years so when i had the kids yeah and i just had to be strong i just wanted to be Mm -hmm. strong there like i was not depressed but yet i look back and go wow mommy needed help right absolutely (laughs) yeah Yeah. and uh, i laugh and that's not really funny but you know it's 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 that oh man why didn't i see that then Mm -hmm. because i really did need help i was I look back and go, yeah, I think, 
you know, if I could self-diagnose, it would be, you know, postpartum depression was right. was an effect then. Yeah. And I didn't even consider it in my mind, even with my training, even with exactly. everything, yep. which is like a bit of a wild kind of a mm-hmm. thought. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. So again, that kind of just sets this foundation of kind of your experience, the different things that you've gone through as early as childhood. So for you, what was kind of that first catalyst to to start pursuing wellness in this area of emotional and mental wellness? Well, I'm trying to think back specifically, and maybe you remember more clearly mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Um, I think I... Yeah, I think I started to um, burn out. Yeah. And um, I, like, it was, everything was happening all at once. So, spiritual attack, um, mm-hmm. physical. physical ailments that yeah. were, nobody could understand or do anything. I think I was starting to oh, lose hope. Uh, the other thing, mm-hmm. too, a, a story that we will talk about in, in a future spiritual episode I had some further, that's what happened. I had some further um, abuse, and it was actually at the hands of some spiritual helpers. Right. And so that, going through that Mm -hmm. and feeling a sense of you turn to the places that you know you can turn to, uh, people within the church, people who are trained within the church, you know, um, and to end up abused, like something shut off in me after that right. for a period of, of a few months where I was just kind of like coasting, right. kind of just surviving. Mm-hmm. And um, in that, I, I started to, like, I, I just started to burn out in, in every way. Right. And so, I mean, depression at that time was imminently making itself very <laughs> real in my life right. and you know like what were the the things that I was able to do I, I kind of think back to that time and go yeah there was a time I could sit under a tree with my coloring book and, and your bible my bible and my and that was it I couldn't even journal like I was just yeah read a bit of scripture and color under a tree right like that, that's kind of where I was at yeah. at that point now, was that, again, trying to remember some of the timeline of this, too. Now, was that before or after you had gone to Saddleback Church in California for the mental health in the church conference? That was before I went to Saddleback because okay. I, had, I had just been diagnosed with depression before I went to Saddleback. Okay. And I had started on medication because I remember going with a friend and... Mm. Um, kind of disclosing to my friend that, oh my gosh, guess what? Going to the conference. Yeah, the conference. We were at the conference sharing a room, and I was like, guess what? Like, I have depression. And she's like, me too! (laughs) (laughs) And you start comparing medicine to see what each other are on. Well, I'm not sure we went that far, but but it was like, like, imagine that level of shame to talk about. And this was another woman in leadership, you know, a church leader. that's a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, now, like, I really don't, <laughs> I mean, share it with whoever, press share on, <laughs> you know, yes. press like and share. And it's not a problem for me now to, to be honest about this, mm-hmm. but I had such a hard time at first. I was going to ask you about that initial diagnosis yep. and, and having to start medication well and to you help say you with having to well, i chose it, to it was recommended by the doctor mm-hmm. yeah 
that this could be a, a help for you mm-hmm. in this season. Yep. And and again, as someone who suffered with that pride and that fear <laughs> and that you know that identity oh. of a caregiver, to make that decision to yeah. actually begin that process of help. When I went to the pharmacy to to fill my prescription, I just cried. Yeah. I was I was a sobbing mess and I couldn't hold it together. I just like I couldn't believe. Like imagine yeah. other people. Oh, you have you talked to your doctor? Have you you know like mm-hmm. I was not the person that was like oh it's so bad to be on medication. It's like no, it's something that is made available. Just like, I mean, recently, and this I'm sure will be on our physical (laughs) journey uh, podcast, I've recently been diagnosed with diabetes. Would I say... To a diabetic. To a diabetic, don't take your, you know, Your medicine or your pills or your insulin. Or if you're on the point of insulin. When I say don't take that, you don't need that. Just have bigger faith. Yeah, never say that. (laughs) You know, what I say to somebody, you know, that's struggling with whatever physical ailment, oh, medication, whew. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what's fascinating about the journey, like as I kind of observed you on this journey, again, Danielle and I, we weren't part of that Christian camp. And this is one of those stigmas in, mm-hmm. in our Christian circles when it comes to mental health and emotional wellness, where we do use language as Christians of, well, you just need more faith. You know, you must have some sin in your life that's unconfessed. You, you know, you're not reading your Bible enough. Like, we put all this action on it, right? And so we've never been in that camp well, of and, Christian leaders and, and when it comes would, to other people. And I would give, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit in that camp. Uh-huh. Because I, because as we've kind of realized over the years, I've never been, I've never been like, don't take your medication if you need medication. But right. the talk well, about sin in your life. There sure. could be. There could. That's it. There could be, and, and there is an interconnectedness and to all of this stuff. But it, it's not a a guarantee. No. If you just read your Bible no. more, your mental health struggles will go away. Exactly. That's not you know what Scripture teaches. And the other part that I've learned over the years too, which I guess we'll talk more in the in the spiritual um, episode, is right. you know when you think about sin in your life, and you might have depression as a cause of sin in your life. The thing that went an aha moment in my mind is that it's not necessarily my sin. Right. It's somebody else's sin. Sin done against you? Yes. When I look at, like, my depression, mm-hmm. you know, like, there was abuse, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, occurred. And that was somebody else's sin against me. That's right. And guess what? Like, that opened me up for... Yep. You know. and yeah, and this is how your body and your mind mm-hmm. is dealing and coping with that trauma and that right. pain, right? And that's where I do find it all so connected that it's hard to say it can't be this or it can't be that right. or it is this and it is that because yeah. there's just so many layers and facets. Well, and that's it. And so as leaders that kind of recognize there's these layers and facets who make these type of recommendations to others, then you suddenly find yourself now needing this care mm-hmm. and breaking down and weeping when you have to start taking medicine. Mm-hmm. Right? It was it was a blow to the gut, really. Yeah, blow to the gut. Blow to the ego, yep. blow to the all of the above. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it was. I can't believe this. How is this possible that right. I'm like, like I can't hold. That was it. That I can't hold it together. Right. That was a big statement. That I can't hold it together. Was that the? Is that the? Hmm. Um, big hope. 
the big, you know, like Christian leader goal. Yeah. Just, just hold, hold it, it together. It to, just hold it together till <laughs> Jesus comes back. It's not going to be much longer. And none you know? of that is at a conscious level at the time. But when I look at, back at it now, like you and I can both so kind of chuckle, chuckle about today, it. But at the time, you couldn't laugh about because it. Because what does that say? Yeah. You know, like that was what I was trying to do was just hold it together. And I remember actually on that topic, you know, feeling myself and identifying myself as becoming a worse and worse Christian. Right. As I was unraveling. Mm. What I've come to realize now is that that is, like, don't look at it this way, but a better Christian. Right. <laughs> because yeah. what does one do? We, mm-hmm. we unravel and lean into and run to our healing father. Right. And so that's what happened for me during that time. And I, I, like now I can look back and go, thank God that he allowed me to um, get to the point of depression that I could not hold it together. Right. Because he brought me so much deeper mm-hmm. in my faith, in my relationship with, it, with him, right. in recognizing him as what I didn't have mm-hmm. in a father. Right. And what I so desperately needed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it and and that's yeah. quite o- eye opening when that hits yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to be just so loved by him mm-hmm. when I was hating what I was seeing in myself, myself unraveling. Yeah, God brought so much love and care right. in that under the tree with my coloring book and Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find it then to be at Saddleback Church? And if you're, you're if you're unaware of this conference, uh, so Saddleback Church started this conference a number of years ago to bring awareness, hope, and tools to the local church as it pertains to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had lost a son to um, suicide because of his mental health struggles that he's had his entire life. And so now you're at that conference with a good friend yeah. who's also struggling mm-hmm. <laughs> with you know, mental and emotional well-being. And, and now you're hearing how things actually are in the world and the number of leaders that are struggling in Christian circles and in the church and how many people in our churches are struggling. Like, what did it mean to you to kind of be at that and hear this, like, level of teaching on this topic? Well, for me, a big part of it was uh, some of the work in um, taking away the stigma of Mm. mental health. Right, right. Um, it was really helpful for me to kind of build in some language. I was really, to be honest, at that time, I was looking at it from a perspective to help other people. I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go to this conference to help. Yep. Exactly. And so, but what it did was it gave me some, like, so it really started to, to take down the barriers of that stigma right. and to be able to have some language around mental health um, in the church. I already had language of mental health for other people <laughs> in, in social services and the places that I've worked over the years. Yeah. But in the church mm-hmm. because there was um, a barrier, a wall. I saw it not just in, you know, older people or people who have been, you know, what I saw it in young people who were, you know, like in their young 20s going, I don't think you should be taking medication. Like, so there's been those kinds of conversations yes. that we've found ourselves in and, you know, and we're not pill popping like, go take your meds, mm-hmm. you know, but it's one part of 
part of the, the part healing of the journey. Yeah. And 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 stabilizing to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. to be able to actually and I think that's the way you've described it before when you went on like we'll talk about this on your episode on emotional well being, but yeah. yeah, where there's there's it's it helps you. It can help you. I'm not saying everybody should take meds, but I am saying we as Christians you. shouldn't be saying, don't do that. It's wrong. Well, that's it. <laughs> and if that's the case, don't take your aspirin. Don't take your coffee in the morning. <laughs> well, that's it. The, the coffee is a Christian drug of choice to get through another elders meeting or deacons meeting or staff yeah. meeting, right? So, so I mean, that, that's my yeah. perspective. And, it, and I think a lot of that came out of the Saddleback Home mm-hmm. for Mental Health Conference that okay. year, which really helped me to yeah. have some language to start a real discussion in the church. And I think that's been a big part of, you know, what we have done mm-hmm. at you preaching from the pulpit right. and also both of us ministering to people and where it's okay to talk about, you know, mental health struggles. And I've talked with people about their, you know, like suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've talked with people outside of the church about this before and been, you know, fairly comfortable with it. Not at the beginning, of course, because it's a scary topic. Of course. But, you know, understanding that you're not giving somebody ideas to commit suicide or, or, you know, anything like that by talking about it. You're actually allowing them finally to process. I can talk about this feeling that I've been having that I don't want to do. That's right. But yet I I don't know where to go or who to talk to. Yeah. And so in the church, especially if people think that they're going to be shamed, Mm -hmm. if people think that, you know, like this is ungodly, all these kinds of things, where can they go if not the church? Yeah. Well, and that exactly, where can they, go if not the church right as christian leaders this was so crucial and i remember a number of probably four or five years ago we were at again one of our national uh, fellowship conventions it was actually happening in gatineau Mm -hmm. and they had started this new program where if you did if you lost a certain amount of weight and did a certain amount of exercise you put your name in a draw you could win a fitbit and they shared i can't remember if the president of our fellowship who made this presentation or someone else on his team but basically said they were talking about our health care package. Mm-hmm, I remember this. And they said the number one expense among pastors and pastor families from our health care provider is antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication. Yeah. Number one, more than glasses, more than the dentist, <laughs> more than, you know, a massage. And... That was eye-opening. Incredibly eye-opening. And and again, to hear that said from the stage at a national level within our denomination, I was like, okay, great. So what are we doing about this, right? While, because we had already been on our journey. You've already been on that journey, mm-hmm. right, in that point when we got yeah. that information. Yeah. So so you come out of Saddleback, so you know your past. You, you've gotten some medica- medication from your doctor to recommend, recommend by your doctor to help, you know, you know, get you on this journey. You get equipped at Saddleback. And then you kind of go back to your work, <laughs> like well, where you serve as a pastor, as an associate pastor in the church. You were also uh, a, a chaplain out in the community. Mm-hmm. And so where did things kind of go from there? Well, I think I'd have to backtrack a little bit because, like, how did I, you know, even get to the place where I could contemplate going back to work, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, um one like maybe I can share something that I found very helpful at that time. I think sure. it's something that God gave me to do because 
I mean, the enemy was very active at the same time. I mean, the enemy, you know, would have had me believe that I'm not going to get better, that I'm, you know, just... And when I say the enemy, I'll speak in the emotional terms, the voice in my head, in my right. own head, yep. going, you know, like, oh, it's not going to get better, or nobody even cares. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's a huge thing that people with depression right. um, deal with. And so when I sort of felt like I fell off the, you know, planet a little bit and was dealing with um, all of that and and kind of those condemning thoughts and probably nobody cares and whatever, I just, I had a moment of, um, thankfully, clarity mm-hmm. in my deep, deep, you know, sadness and, and feelings, and that was, okay, Danielle, as I, as I sent out all my messages by email to let people know that, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, I'm going to work for a while. I'm, you know, I wasn't going to be doing this. Contacted the, my loved ones and just let them know where I was at and, you know, that I was taking some time of rest and so on. Um, I decided in that moment to write down every single thing that people told me mm. in that response. Because something like God gave me right. awareness to write it all down, and I have it in my journal still, and I could look back at it and see if you need meals, call me if you you know if you want to go for a walk, let's go for a walk, you know, like let's get together and hang out at my house and we'll sit under a blankie and watch a movie, <laughs> whatever all these things that I did not want to do in the moment because I just couldn't right I did not. I had a presence of mind to hang mm-hmm. on to those things, to not forget them. Because as, as somebody who's helped people before, I've heard so many times, nobody cares. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And I have evidence. That people care. That people care. And I had, as I sent out all those messages, people sent back messages and whatever they told me, or they called or, let, or texted me or whatever it was, or yeah. they called, I didn't want to answer, it was on my answering machine, I wrote it down. That's interesting. You know, and I yeah. think that's something that we all can do mm-hmm. because... I believe the enemy comes, I mean, we know he comes to, you know, steal and destroy, right? right. And so everything, like those thoughts that could have easily come back that nobody cares, mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. They do, and this is how. Yeah, and I think, again, that's one of those Christian church stigmas, right, that, you know, when we talk about care within the body of Christ and, and loving one another and building one another up and caring for one another and supporting one another in our burdens and praying. So often, I think one of the biggest stigmas in the church is we feel all those one another statements need to be the pastor doing that to me. <laughs> right? And so, and, and we've had a, a number of experiences of that of people who've expressed that no one cared, no one cared. What they're actually saying is the pastor didn't help me. The pastor didn't come see me. Whereas then when you actually kind of dig under that, there was a lot of care that was given. You know, elders had prayed, small group members had attend, you know, brought meals and walked with them and did all this stuff. But we get stuck in these stigmas mm-hmm, maybe, that yeah. only a certain person is qualified to care for me. Right. <laughs> you know? It can be. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. You know, yeah. So that was really kind of wise and just for you to write that stuff down so you could always be reminded. In the moment, because I've, because I've, I've had to remind, not remind, but ask people, tell me more about that. Tell me mm. more about that when they felt uncared and suddenly, like, all these things come up. 
up. And I'm like, so I know how possible it is to not remember, yeah. you know, those, you know, caring ways. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, it could be two weeks that you don't hear from that person. Okay, but what did they tell me two weeks ago? Right. They said, call me anytime. I'm a moment away. You know, That's so right. even if they don't contact every second, which, yep. which to be frank... There's this weird dance in depression. Yeah. I don't know if it's universal, but I can definitely say from people that I've supported and also from my own depression, mm-hmm. I want to know that people care, but I don't want to reach out to anybody and I don't mm-hmm. want them to come and visit me. Like, so there's this, there's right. this weird, yeah, you, ambiguous thing going yeah, on. Yeah, you want people to love you. You want people to care for you. You want people to reach out to you. But you don't want people to reach out to I you. Don't wanna you don't want to be on the phone. I don't want to go out with you. you I don't. don't <laughs> you don't want someone to come to your house and see you in your pajamas and with you no know, your hair all disheveled and all of that stuff, right? Like it's right. just so. And I'm too tired. I don't. I don't really want to, you know, put real pants on. Like <laughs> exactly. The PJs are the flannels are comfortable. Like I don't want to get dressed. Right. So it's this. It's this. Like I think when when I know I'll speak for myself when I was depressed at that level. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know how much I was cared for, but I really didn't want that kind of care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough. It is so tough for people to help support mm-hmm. somebody who's depressed because yeah. you know in that moment, you know what they need, yep. you think. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But that person might not be ready for that. And But just knowing that you are there mm-hmm. and you are willing and you are available and you are praying man that goes a long way right. and for that person for themselves to re- be reminded of that so if you're that person that's depressed mm-hmm. write it down who are all the people right that have reached out to you and come back to that because we need to be reminded we'll forget mm-hmm. yeah so so when you were off of work mm-hmm. for that period of time i can't remember exactly how long it was three months i, I think, think it was you, three you months took a three months kind of break yeah from your responsibilities at the church, your responsibilities in the community with the chaplain to really just kind of focus on your recovery and, and focusing on your wellness. Yeah. What were so what were some of the the processes of that or the steps or what did God reveal to you in that that time of rest and recovery that that you feel helped you come out the other side of it? <laughs> to be honest, I think I'm like I I had two times when I was off mm-hmm. of work. Right. Um and so I'm probably going to confuse the both a little bit, sure. but I think um, principle-wise, it's probably helpful no matter which time it was. Yeah. Um, I think it's the second time that I was off with um, with depression and burnout, and um, I actually put together a list mm-hmm. during that time. It was going to be a three-month time off. I put together a list of the ways that I wanted to um, step into healing, right? And the 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 um, habits that I wanted to put into place during that time. Hmm. Um, and I actually made myself accountable to it, and, right. and I remember bringing it to the elders of our church and saying, you know, like. And, and this is also, like, I mean, more so than, than a congregant and a pastor's wife. I was also on staff. That's right. And so yep. some accountability in that way as well. And I brought it to the elders. This is my plan of what I'm going to do during this, mm-hmm. you know, time of recovery. 
uh, because I know myself. I knew that if I don't decide to engage in, you know, these spiritual practices, these physical practices, these, you know, emotional, you know, engaging in, in therapy and different things like that, right. um, that I was going to sit around Mm-hmm. And three months were going to go by pretty quick. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have been any further ahead and ready to come back to work. Right. Yeah. 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 So that was the one time. The first time, though, there, like, I think, I don't think I was at that place. That was the much well, deeper the, spot of depression where yeah. before I was getting any treatment for it. Mm-hmm. And it was literally like, okay, I just needed I needed rest. Yeah, and there was a lot more physical stuff yeah. happening at that first one mm-hmm. as well. So, yes, there was the emotional and mental stuff that needed to be taken care of mm-hmm. for sure, but that's also when you were really going through the height Everything. of all your physical ailments, which we'll <laughs> talk about again in another mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. So that first one became more of a disability, a physical disability leave from a work perspective because mm-hmm. that was the priority. Yeah. Whereas that second time was, no, this is really like, and it was an extent, that one was longer. Yeah. It was well. a decision was made between me and my doctor and right. that the elders were affirming to yeah. take three months off. And yeah. so, so the first one was a, a uh, stabilization, let's call right. it. Yep. And the second one was a, like, something did happen that was of emotional nature, maybe even spiritual. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Um, Where I I fell apart. I just, and again, that thing that I hate to do, falling apart. But there had been pressure that was building, 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 building until something blew. And so that second time that I was off, where it was for that designated three three month time mm-hmm. uh, was very specific I wanted healing for that thing that pressure that right. you know and and to to really learn to um, love myself mm-hmm. well enough to not <laughs> right. put myself under that kind of crazy amount of pressure that yeah. that's not like, uh-huh. it's not even, you know, so there was some healing that went back to my earlier, you know, yeah. times in childhood. And, you know, the, because oftentimes those things that come up are, are a trigger um, and that are triggering that old that old wound. Right. It's not healed yet. Right. That's right. And, and yeah. again, I don't speak as a therapist. I speak as my own your own you know, journey. journey. Yep. And so that's what that ended up being. It was something that, that spoke to mm-hmm. uh, an unhealed wound, even though I've done a ton of therapy, like all that kind of thing, and done a lot of healing ministry and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a something that yeah. needed to be dealt with at the root before mm-hmm. the... Uh, so, yeah, there was a number of things that I was very intentional about working through right. and building a rhythm of life right. uh, that is sustainable. Okay. And I remember when I came back afterwards, it was like, I don't even remember which one this was, but yeah. uh, either one, because both times the rhythm of life was really important. Yep. And um, I just could... I think it was the first time I was off and I was like... Okay, if my back starts to hurt, that's going to be an indicator. Yeah, it's time to stop. It's <laughs> that time to ease up. I'm yep. doing too much and I'm going too fast and I need to slow yeah. things down. And so yeah. it was a, it was it was a really a relearning mm-hmm. of how to go from this crazy running all the time right. and like running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Yep. 
to, no, I don't want to live like that anymore. And right. yet I used to love living that way. Yeah. It was almost like a, <laughs> the yeah. adrenaline well, was it, awesome. Yeah, there was never a dull moment in your calendar. Never a dull moment. Never, never, never. Mm-hmm. So how important do you feel it was for you kind of on that time, that, that three months time you were off, to actually have that accountability and that affirmation and approval from the elders of the church for you to be on that time off and journey? Well, it was humbling mm-hmm. because, you know, like we're a complementarian church and so it's like a bunch of men, <laughs> yeah. which oftentimes it can be, you know, easier to, you know, open up woman to woman, man to man, whatever. Right. So it was humbling. Um, and, but it was also, I think, very, very helpful. And, and, and a big part of what I do in coaching other people is, you know, like having a sustainable plan mm-hmm. that they build. Right. You know, because it's a matter of you need to decide, you know, the things that work for you, you know, what needs to be, you know, moved forward in healing. I can kind of walk you along and kind of look at maybe this, maybe that, but overall it's that person themselves that have to make the decision of what they're going to move forward in. Right. And he, you know, how they're going to engage in healing, what they're going to do for stabilizing or whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I use it with other people and it's very effective there too. And so the fact that it is something that's been effective, I kind of used it on myself and went, okay, (laughs) if I don't do this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I made it where, like I said, it was sustainable. It was achievable. Like those smart, (laughs) smart goals, you know, specific, measurable, Mm -hmm. realistic, um, attainable I did that backwards and time bound yeah. you know like it was sp- very laid out mm-hmm. as to yeah. the plan well, and I think it was such a great healthy approach that was done there again because as we have talked to other leaders in the past who have felt like they couldn't go to their boards you know of elders mm-hmm. if they're in a church position or you know their boss that they report to at work they felt that they can't ask for that time off, they can't ask for that help because it won't be well perceived or it wouldn't be done. And I think that's one of the lies of our spiritual enemy mm-hmm. because we're too afraid to even approach it yeah. that we think that they wouldn't respond well to it. And actually the taking the, the time off the second time around where it was a more specific, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three-month thing and... Uh, I didn't know whether they would agree or disagree or anything like that. Yep. Um, but I had a lot more confidence that mm-hmm. time around than I did the first time when I, like, I was just so stuck in shame. And that's a, such an important part of all this. Right. Which we'll talk about in the spiritual episode. But, like, when if you are viewing everything mm-hmm. that you do, everything that, you know, like, like how the world views you with right. a with a lens of shame. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Or even fear. Like what are they gonna think about me? Um, yep. that kind of stuff, right? Yep. Um you're you're kind of in prison. You get stuck. You get stuck. And and yep. that first time and how loving and supportive our church was, whether they everybody knew how <laughs> 
to would, be yeah. loving and supportive or not. I knew that the yeah, they heart, may not have known what to do. Yeah, the but, heart was right yeah. and the heart was good and people cared. Yeah, and just seeing that and knowing that and knowing that, like, like seriously, I can giggle now and go, like, I, I think I really thought the whole world would fall apart if I took some time off work. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is that ridiculous? That's welcome to most leaders, right? We all think this way, that the world revolves around us and the whole <laughs> thing is going to crumble if we disappear for a bit. But that fear is real. It's so real. And yeah. I think that needs, you know, addressing because yeah. when I got over that fear, because like, oh, I took time off and, and mm-hmm. you know, like I was able to have some healing and able to... Whew, get back, get things back up and come back to work. And nobody was like, oh, there she is. And, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they didn't treat you like a leper or I, anything like, like I that. Was, you know? I, was, yeah. I was treated with love. Whether yeah. people knew exactly how. Like, it was not, it was not bad. It was good. That's good. And so I think that's a big part. It's what's in my mind. Right. Which, like you said, is very much the schemes of the enemy. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've been on this journey for quite a few years now, and as we kind of wrap up this episode, how are you doing? So as it comes to your mental and emotional wellness, how are you doing today? Well, um, you know, if you asked me this question about a, a week or two ago, I would have said, why, why am I still in this spot? <laughs> and I was really feeling like, because I've had some, to be very honest, I've had some kind of low-grade depression mm-hmm. uh, that seems to be hanging on. And it's, it, it, I think it was gone, super funny, all, all through 2020, is <laughs> the times when you would think that somebody who struggles with depression, that would be the time it's going to hit. Um, but I was great. I was, uh, like, doing really well during... Well, and your, your spiritual gift of apostleship was on fire, having to reinvent everything oh, we do. So you it was were, so you, fun. <laughs> you were having no problems in 2020. Yeah. And, and the fact that I do kind of lean more towards introversion. Yeah. Like, things slowed down for a long That's while. Right. So it was busy and fun in my work mm-hmm. and inventing new things and ways of doing things. But it was also calm and balanced, you know, in my social time because both kids were home and my mom lives with us and you were here. So, I mean, we had a whole, you know, like... Like it was, it was a wonderful time as a group family. of people to you know yeah. play a board game. You know we ordered in every week. Like so, there was a bunch of things that was it, it was really good for me in that first year, and then coming into probably fall of 2021. Yeah, this past fall. Yeah, it's been this kind of sluggishness. This kind of. Less mm-hmm. motivated. Oh, we're still doing that stuff we were doing last year. It's that not pandemic shiny. fatigue is kicking in a little bit. It's like church online. No, oh, man, I hate that thing now. Yeah. And so I found myself, yeah, like, and, and one of the beautiful things that God showed me about a week or two ago, that's why I say, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. I'd say, why? Why am I still here? <laughs> and one of the beautiful things that God showed me is that, um, I was reading a book, actually, I think it's called um, Healing Depression God's Way, something right. like that, and yeah. a resource through LL Ministries, awesome ministry, mm-hmm. and um, it was giving, you know, all kinds, like the list of all the, you know, um, parts, ways that depression can, can you know, 
affect you and you know and then it was talking about the more serious like really harder to deal with especially for the secular world to deal with and so of course that leads into the spiritual side of things right and when i looked at like all these checklists i was like huh as much as i feel like why am i still here this low-grade depression i'm not in a place and i can and i want to say ever Hmm. in jesus name yeah where um i'm in a place of hopelessness Hmm. whereas you know go back a few years that crept in hopelessness crept in i'm also um yeah like if i have a an emotional outburst Hmm. what used to be the end of the world in my in my view and might be a week or two Mm -hmm. of like i'm out for the count right is now like okay like it's like i feel it i i write my journal i might cry and then it's like Okay, it might be a half a day or a day, right? Right, yep. where I can still function, I can still do the things that I need to get done, I can still have a lot of creativity, and it doesn't take me out like it used to take me out. Right. And spiritually, the stronghold, mm-hmm. and that'll come up in, like I say, that other episode, yeah. but the stronghold that the enemy had yeah. uh, spiritually over sin, as we talked about before, a lot of it not my own, other mm-hmm. people's. Yep. <laughs> Um, that has been a lot of those things have been forgiven, mm. renounced, right. dealt with, like, yep. n- and, and not not without talking about the emotions, sure, because the emotions right. are a big part of it, right? And so I I, I learned recently over the last couple of years about forgiving deeply from the heart. Mm. Yeah, that's because so important. <laughs> as Christians, we forgive because we are as, told to forgive. But we, but we forgive as Christ forgave us, mm. right? That's the heart of God. Yeah, right. That God wants no one to perish in their sins. So he offers forgiveness to all of us, and and, then, and we do the same, right? And when yeah. I say deep from the heart, and I, I wish I was good with remembering where scriptures come from, but yeah. there is a scripture <laughs> forgiving deep from the heart, uh-huh. and. If we don't emote, if mm. we don't give our hearts a voice, yeah. I don't think it's quite possible. Maybe it's possible. God can do all things. But I think one of the mechanisms of forgiving deep from the heart is by expressing mm. what's actually right. deeply in my heart, hidden in my heart. Because so many things that I think depression, when I talked about that internalizing before, right. I think it's really ignoring my own heart. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that God's taught me over the years is to really give my heart a voice and know that the world is not going to fall apart if I, you know, like the world doesn't end because I I cry for a day or or an hour or... (laughs) A minute. <laughs> or you need to take an extra nap, or you need to chill out the and, world on the lazy boy for a little bit. Does right? not end, and yeah. it's okay. Or take your Sabbath, or yeah. all those things, right? Have that healthy rhythm. Yeah. You know, have the re- regular counseling. Like I'm one of those people that just probably mm-hmm. needs to continue with counseling. You know, till when? Well, maybe indefinitely. Maybe. And that's okay. But I think all of us, all of us in the care profession. Mm-hmm. need to be well cared for. We, yeah. we are both big believers in that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. So, so how am I doing? I'm doing so much better. Yeah. So much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not over. But, but it's still a journey. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's still a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So then what advice would you give to someone, you know, Christian leader, pastor, pastor's wife, women in leadership, you know, leader in business, wherever people are called to lead who might be listening to this, who have been having a struggle starting their journey to pursue emotional and mental wellness? What would you, what would you, how would you encourage them to start? I would say the very... Uh, one of the very biggest things you can do is talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's secular, that's Christian, that's across the board. Right. Like, I really, like, that's the number one advice. And where it is Christian, mm-hmm. uh, in, its, in, in, in my belief and why it's so important, is because inside my head, or inside your head, <laughs> um, things are really, really, really bad. And right. things can spiral out of control, hmm. and the enemy can really get a foothold and and you know grab hold of things where when you bring it to the light and it comes yeah. back to this you know confessing to one another like there's a whole all those one another's are for a reason God knows what we need yep and so by sharing just bringing to the light what's going on inside my mind and heart mm-hmm. to somebody. Um, I mean, I know, unfortunately, we have to um, choose wisely who we talk to. Yep, Because some people are going are gonna to have that condemning edge to them. Unfortunately, yep. And other people are going to have, you know, tremendous compassion. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who might have the compassion and the, wis- the godly wisdom to be able to, you know, help. But even just bringing it out, right? talking about those struggles, I think, is, is one of the top um, advice that I would give. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a few others, but that's my big one. So the big one, talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Find someone to talk to. Especially if you're Christian, yep. talking to another Christian that you can mm-hmm. you can bring it to the light together and, and talk to God about. Okay. And then what would step two be? Um, get in the Word. Okay. And I know that, like you said before about, you know, we don't want to say, just read your Bible more. But when I say, um, get in the Word, it's to be ministered to yourself. Right. So, like, to really sense God's closeness. So this is not like, oh, just get in get in the Word, get into, like, we're about to do the, the you know, Revelation. It's not like, go to Revelation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, probably go to the Psalms. Yeah. Mm, interesting. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's parts of the Word that are for, you know, di- different seasons or whatever, and it's not just, I will read my Bible and I, then I will get better. No, I will read my Bible and I will get better because I'm going to actually sit in a Psalm that, uh, that gives me the the words mm-hmm. to be able to yep. lament, to right. be able to speak out what I'm feeling because it's all there. Right. So whatever, it doesn't mean just the Psalms, but wherever yep. you're connecting that, that the word is helping you to be able to speak out what's actually in your heart. And it's also an encouragement too to see like, oh, if David mm-hmm. is known as a man after God's own heart, yeah. and one of the big things that David does is like, what we might say is like, seriously, you're complaining to God again, and you're, right. you're you're yelling at God, you're crying at like, and that's where I said before, like I felt like I was becoming a worse Christian. Yeah. Unraveling. That's right. But if you are unraveling into the arms of God, yep. then we are you're on a men good, and you're women on a good path. who are after God's own yeah. heart. Right. Yeah. I love. I mean, when you just said that, read the psalm. Like, like the default psalm. 
for me, and I'll share this when it's my turn, but it's Psalm 40. Mm-hmm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Yeah. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Mm-hmm. And he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth, mm. a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Yeah. And then you just break out into U2's version going, how long <laughs> to sing this song? <laughs> and, and keeping in mind a song or a psalm, it wraps itself up, right? Right. But knowing that as you're emotionally in the psalm, it's mm-hmm. going to it's probably going to take some time. Yeah. And then as you've seen God meet you in, in expressing those needs in a real way, in unraveling into his arms, yeah. I think that, you know, over time it becomes, oh, yeah, I just have to remind myself of what that truth was mm-hmm. that I knew because God met me there. And I think we need that as Christians all <laughs> the time. And the last thing I want to say is um, you will forget that God is for you. Right. Yeah. Very you true. will forget. You'll forget that God cares for you. You yeah. will think that God is distant and is not there for you. So what what do we tend to do when somebody you know when we think somebody is treating us badly, we withdraw from that somebody. Right. So right from the beginning, I think when you're recognizing that you know, oh my gosh, I am maybe depressed or I'm struggling, like I think right from the beginning, getting into those scriptures that are speaking to the heart mm-hmm. is like, I would absolutely encourage in that. And even to pray, pray out those Psalms um, and to not let go. That's <laughs> to not let go of God, because right. that's, that's exactly what the enemy would have us do is like, God doesn't care. Okay. God's not there for you. God's distant. He's yeah. He's abandoned you. Right. And mm-mm, not okay. my God. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, Danielle, I really appreciate you sharing uh, this part of your journey with all of us here on the Revitalized Podcast. And um, so how can people um, stay connected with us and learn more about what we have to offer? Well, we have our websites, and uh, that's probably the best way. Yeah. Mine is Danielle at... No, Danielle, no, it's Danielle Presso. <laughs> I don't know why you asked me. Danielle Presso. So I'm the one asking the questions this episode. So. DaniellePresso.com. Danielle, DaniellePresso.com and KevinPresso.com That's right. is the very best way to reach us, and I should know. It's like your own phone number. That's right. You don't, you don't give it out. Exactly. Or you don't call it yourself. Don't you give call it, it yourself. <laughs> and well, you can check us out on Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well, so you can find us there under Revitalize Coaching. Uh, we'd love to be able to connect with you, and if there's a way we can come alongside you on your journey of wellness, we again, our heart is to... Uh, make sure that you know that you are not alone. God is with you, and there are other people in your corner that you can reach out to. So next week's topic, we're going to continue this journey of wellness, and we're going to be talking about spiritual wellness. And I'm going to share on my spiritual journey and how I've been pursuing my spiritual wellness. Very cool. So, I look forward to that. Yeah, me too. I have no clue what I'm going to share yet. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But So we again, thank you so much for being here uh, to the very end of this episode. If uh, 
if this has been a blessing to you, please consider um, subscribing to the podcast, following it, um, share it on your social media, and please comment. Uh, we would love to uh, get your feedback, whether you rate it and leave a comment on social media or just uh, connect with us through comments as well on our social media. We would love to know how this is blessing you and encouraging you in your journey of wellness. So until next week, God bless you. And again, thank you, Danielle. Thank you. And we will talk to you all next week. God bless. God bless. You've been listening to the Revitalized Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you found this content helpful, please consider subscribing, sharing on social media, and leaving a review. This helps us to help even more people. Join us next time for more insights on emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness in your leadership.